We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. As we head into hour two, this is a high privilege and honor for me to welcome the two guests I have in the studio with me today. One of them is the tremendously best-selling author and well-known financial genius, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, whose book you probably well know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's probably sold over 40 million copies, if not the biggest book in business advice, uh, and it, it's certainly up there. We'll talk to you in a moment more about all of that, Robert. I also want to bring on and introduce Ann Atkinson, who is the former executive director at the uh, T.W. Lewis Center at at uh, Barrett Honors College at ASU. They were at the heart of the storm of that which we testified at the state legislature at this week and the heart of the storm of what Ann calls the free speech crisis at ASU. I just have to take a moment of personal note and say that um, Aristotle describes the best form of friendship as someone who makes you a better person. And I often think about sometimes the people I have met in combat um, by chance or perhaps not so much by chance, have become such great and dear friends too. And that would include you, Robert, and you, Anne. And it's not about the combat. It's about that we were put together to do something good, to fight evil, to fight bad, to fight negativity, and to do something good on behalf of society. And there's probably no greater friendship that can be forged than that. And it's in that, uh, in that vein, I want to thank you for becoming such good and quick friends. It's an honor to be your friends. Our honor, too. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Um, Anne, you testified at the state legislature this week with me. Robert, you were there as well. And I want to turn to you on some of that in a moment. But, Robert, your story, and you're part of the story, if I can start with you first, sir, hasn't been told quite as much. Um, Say whatever you would like to say about the slander and libel, the defamation that you were all exposed to from on high at ASU and what it meant to be on a stage uh, with white nationalists. <laughs> I just cannot believe what's happened to education. What's more important than education? Not much. But it's gone woke. It's gone Marxist. Um, FYI, I'm a, I got appointments to Naval Academy and Merch Marine Academy. I graduated from the Merch Marine Academy, and I, had, I was high-paying jobs. I worked for Standard Oil of California. But unfortunately, as we know, the Vietnam War was still on. So I volunteered. I quit a $120,000 a year job. In 1969, that was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And I joined the U.S. Marine Corps as a second lieutenant, making $200 a month to go fight in Vietnam. Yeah. <clears throat> and as what you're talking about, what you learned, the, the brothership, the kinship, yeah. it's priceless. I'm, you know, my, my best, I got court-martialed twice, by the way, so I'm not any war hero. <laughs> I had I had problems with, with, Seth and I were laughing about women. <laughs> I, I always had problems with women, you know I mean? It's so distracting. <laughs> but anyway, my best friend in the Marine Corps, <clears throat> I got court-martialed as a first lieutenant, yeah. 
for flying women in my helicopter. I mean, they couldn't, they just couldn't understand why I was doing that, you know. And then the second thing was he becomes a lieutenant general. Uh huh. So today he's a congressman from the north, you know, from Michigan. Uh huh. And we're starting the Rich Dad House in Washington D.C., just where the riots were. Oh, okay. And our job is to lobby Congress and the senators and all those guys about the importance of financial education. Oh, wonderful. So uh, as the Marines say, Semper Fi, yep. we, we don't give up the fight. But what happened at ASU is all Anne's fault here because she invited me to go and speak at ASU. And I said, no, no, I never went back on a college campus. And she goes, why not? So I'm a, <clears throat> in 1972, I came back from Vietnam. I, landed, I, took a, I went over with 16 men, 16, men up, 16 of us came home all in one piece. I got hit with eggs, spit on by the hippie generation, the love-in generation, the Woodstock generation. And I swear to God, I saw Nancy Pelosi in that crowd. <laughs> but anyway, those hippies became our leaders today. Yeah, that's right. And that's what happened at ASU. So when Ann asked me, would you go talk at ASU? I said, no, I'm going to stay away from schools because I got spit on. Even I, I went for my MBA program at the University of Hawaii. I was stationed out there. I didn't like, I didn't like what I was being taught. So, Ann talked me into it. We did a fantastic program. Over the summer 2022, we had the honor students from Barrett College. They loved us. You know, generally it's the students that are protesting. The students loved us. But then the professors started to protest. Yeah, yeah. That shows you how woke, what happened to that hippie generation. They became our teachers. Mr. Kiyosaki, I love your military service, and I have the highest esteem for people who serve in the military. But there's another small part, maybe a large part of your biography that has me respecting you just as much. And it goes to your appreciation for education, if I might. And I might ask you to say a word about the man who mentored you so much, Buckminster Fuller. Oh, my God. I'm a huge fan. Oh, no kidding. Not too huge. Many. Huge. Buckminster Fuller created the geodesic dome. Right. In 67, I hitchhiked. I was school in New York. Kingsport Merch Marine Academy. I hitchhiked to Expo 67 mm-hmm. at Montreal, the World's Fair on the Future, yeah. just to see Buckminster Fuller's Geodesic Dome, yeah. <clears throat> which was a U.S. pavilion at Expo 67, the World's Fair on the Future. Yeah. And then I had the honor and uh, good fortune to study with Fuller three times, uh, 71, 72, and 73. And he changed my life because he said, it's not about how much money I make, it's how many people do I serve. Wow. And he kicked my butt on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so many things that he has said and taught over the years. There was an odd quote of his once. It's relevant to this in, in a moment. You'll see why. An odd quote of his, maybe you knew it, maybe he said it often. I only read it once, though, where he said, and this was one of the geniuses on our planet, and he said, I can teach you everything I know in 15 hours. He once said that. I can teach you everything I know in 15 hours. And the reason I thought about that was something Dennis Prager said at the hearing the other day and said at the event as to why the professors are so animated against alternative or dissenting thought from the campus left-wing orthodoxy. Because he said, and he's not far from accurate on this, they're worried that people like Kiyosaki and people like himself, Prager, will unteach four years of indoctrination in about 90 minutes. That's what the faculty hates. They know 
that what they're speaking is rot. They know that what they're serving up is junk thought. And you can penetrate it and pierce it in about an hour and a half with just common sense. And that's what angers them so much. Don't you agree? Or, or something like that. Amen, amen. When I was at the uh, event at Arizona Gamage, I, I, I walked in with my Marine Corps pilot's outfit. Did you do that deliberately, sir? Of course. And I, I held up the Communist Manifesto. Oh, that's right. Oh, and sorry. I said every teacher should read, you know, Marxist Communist Manifesto to find out who you are. You're Marxists. I'm not saying that's wrong because I support the freedom of principle. I'll say it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But everything I taught at, at uh, Arizona State with Ann goes against Marxism. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like I, I, taught, I taught the class how I make millions of dollars and pay no taxes. Oh. Sure. No. Sure. The students were excited. Sure. I don't know what the leftists that you make money or that you don't pay your tax rate. If you read Marx, you'd understand what Marx said. He says a graduated income tax is essential for the spread of communism. Of and what did Biden do? Second or third move? Hired 87,000 IRS inspectors. Of course. I mean, taxation. Yeah, you know, America was founded as a tax-free nation. If you go to your history, yeah, sure. 1773 was the Boston Tea Party. It wasn't 1619 that the Pope wanted to teach. That's the other thing Marxists do. They change dates. They change history. Change you it. saw that in the Cultural Revolution. You saw that in almost every uh, in almost every uh, uh, organizing uh, organizing uh, basis of any country that ever did fall to communism. And I want to turn to you and talk to you about what the Lewis Center was designed for. And have you, you know, reprise, if you will, what transpired on February 8th this year? Because if you listen to the spokesmen and spokeswomen at ASU, they will tell you, nothing to see here, everything was fine. I was thinking about China. I guess it's actually Japanese. I was thinking of those three monkeys, the Japanese Hindu notion of three monkeys, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. They saw no problems. They hear no problems. They do speak very problematically, though. So let's take a quick commercial break, if I can. Ann Atkinson and Robert Kiyosaki, and we'll come back, Ann, with your description of what happened. I'm Seth Leibson. Delighted to be here with Ann Atkinson and Robert Kiyosaki, and we'll be right back. That's an appropriate song. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am joined in studio by Robert Kiyosaki. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is his book. I guess it's appropriate for me to mention it because um, people can identify you by it, sir, but I just don't know that you could possibly theoretically even sell anymore. You've sold so many of them, so maybe I don't have to mention it anymore. Anne Atkinson, who I have no doubt will have her own book soon someday. She's writing one in public policy and protecting the First Amendment. Anne. Talk to us about the event on February 8th and the notion that ASU wishes the um, wishes uh, wishes everyone to believe that uh, free speech abided and is alive and well at ASU. Well, thank you, Seth, for the invitation today. By way of a, a, a first background on the Lewis Center, yep. is a center of Barrett the Honors College at Arizona State University formed in 2019 funded in part by the T.W. Lewis Foundation, but it really served as an intent to serve Barrett's 7,000 honors students and to teach them about entrepreneurship, happiness, career success, self-awareness, and personal finance, but also to teach the traditional American values of hard work, free enterprise, personal responsibility, 
faith, family, and community service. And so this Lewis Center was designed to fulfill that intent, which was set by ASU, its foundation, Barrett the Honors College, and the generous donor, the T.W. Lewis Foundation. It accomplished those goals through an engaging speaker series, workshops, and honors courses. So I became two years ago the executive director of the Lewis Center, and part of my role was to sponsor programs with leaders from the real world, bringing them into campus to teach students about those principles. That's where I met Robert Kiyosaki. He came in as an as invited guest just over a year ago, and it was such a success. We had him back for a, a series to teach the students about real entrepreneurship and real investing um, that was the summer series he mentioned, and we had six different versions, six different components to that speaker series. So this event, February 8th, was on health, wealth, and happiness. That was just a Lewis Center speaker program that was aligned with the intent of the center. The only difference for this program is that we made it public-facing, so we held it at a larger venue than we would typically our other Lewis Center programs. So we chose ASU Gamage the most premier stage on campus and the the largest public university in the country. So this event, I blame Robert. The title was his idea, Health, (laughs) Wealth, and Happiness. He knew I really wanted to bring him and Dennis Prager. He knows Mr. Prager, and Robert suggested his wonderful heart transplant cardiologist, Dr. Radha Gopalan, to roll out the theme of health, wealth, and happiness. Mm -hmm. We launched this event And immediately, once the faculty at the Honors College learned that we were bringing in speakers they didn't like, the teachers, not the students, but the teachers launched a national condemnation campaign. They took this campaign, which was initially a petition, not only campus-wide, but nationwide, seeking people to support them and stand in solidarity against purveyors of hate, all these horrible things they titled Dennis Prager, Charlie Kirk, and then also Mr. Kiyosaki here, purveyors of hate, bigots, white nationalists, these terrible names that, that the professors libeled the, our speakers as these awful things. Their condemnation campaign, though, didn't stop with the national effort. They then went into their classrooms where they teach mandatory classes to freshmen at Barrett the Honors College and took their condemnation down onto the students. The teachers created a climate of fear around this idea that somehow the Lewis Center was hosting a white supremacy event, and the students began to be fearful of any association with this event. I even have reports and testimony from students where faculty told them, do not attend, please do not attend, which is egregiously in opposition to ASU's free speech policies. But it doesn't end there. The faculty's efforts were then complemented by the deans who censored speech. The deans of Barrett the Honors College told me I was not to allow the speakers to talk about higher education or anything that may be deemed political or that may be used as a political platform, but we had to stay on these topics of health, wealth, and happiness. Then the deans told me I needed to prepare and read a warning statement to the audience during my opening remarks to warn the audience about potentially offensive content. And the deans told me that was standard practice with an ASU, which is not the case. Then we had marketing on all the walls of the the Barrett, the Honors Complex, on the TV screens and the wall. Some of that can only be taken down by administration. The deans ordered that to be taken down because, quote, it was offending the faculty, end quote. It was offending the faculty that Dennis Prager was coming to campus. Yes, it was. And they couldn't stand to walk to their offices seeing a poster promoting an event with Dennis Prager. Exactly. Lest lest they need a a safe room or or a cuddle doll. 
Exactly. <laughs> and then the and then the, the the Honors College allowed opposition marketing that said help condemn the Lewis Center's health, wealth and happiness program. Supporting this talk is dangerous and it labeled you know, further labeled our speakers as white supremacists and dangerous purveyors of hate. So ASU administration takes down and refuses advertising for your event, but allows advertising for an opposing event or a condemnatory event based around your event. That sounds to me like something we used to call viewpoint discrimination. Still do, but ASU doesn't recognize it. They still think this was just fine. Well, and then this is the point where I reached out to you That's back right. in That's back in met. February, right. and I said, "Can you please help me? Right. We can't get the word out about right. this event. Our posters have been taken down. The TV screens are down. So thank you for stepping in." My honor. I hate bullies, and uh, and I love Dennis, and uh, I've come to love both of you as well. So this is it's it's been, you know, whatever ASU did here, um, it's at least it inured to my individual personal benefit if I can make it. If, if I, I can give put it that credit way. to yeah. Carrie Lake stepped up. Oh, did. She <clears throat> and she just immediately, within ten minutes, she had a campaign to support the event. Okay, that that, I, I, that must have. I'm sure ASU welcomed that oh. as well with open arms. The idea that you label, really libel, someone who's not a bigot, not a racist, not a white supremacist, or a white nationalist. The idea that you do this makes it all the easier to not only cancel them, but as you say, intimidate people and create an atmosphere of intimidation. I went to that event, and I was uh, saying the other day, I've never seen so much security at Grady Gamage or ASU. I, I, I've never seen anything quite like it. I said the security looked like it was a KKK event because that's exactly what the professors wanted it to look like. They wanted it to look like this was a KKK event. They created that atmosphere. They, they poisoned the atmosphere of this otherwise seemingly conceptually simple and decent event, an event of decency with yep. decent men. A doctor, a financial guru, an expert on happiness, who, by the way, is, must be the worst white nationalist the history <laughs> of the world has ever known because he wrote the defining, the definitive book on anti-Semitism, a book called Why the Jews, the Reasons for Anti-Semitism. And he is a, a traditional or orthodox Jew. He must be the worst white nationalist ever existed. Let me take a quick break. Thank you for laying out the case, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. My guests are Ann Atkinson and Robert Kiyosaki, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have as in-studio guests Mr. Robert Kiyosaki and uh, Ann Atkinson. Ann, you were uh, detailing the events surrounding the health, wealth, and happiness discussion that— you helped put on as the executive, as the former now executive director at the T.W. Lewis Center uh, that was uh, lambasted as a white nationalist event because it had people like Dennis Prager and Mr. Kiyosaki there. Um, You talk about the intimidation campaign. You talk about the letter petition that the professors wrote. You talk about um, the kinds of activities administration and professors engaged in to try and prevent students from going and trying to create an atmosphere of dissuasion, of not having people interested in going to have the event as small or as empty as possible. Um, and ASU, as a former employer employee, you would know this, ASU is a public university. 
and uh, that means the First Amendment applies to an institution like ASU. It sounds to me like state resources were used to engage in this suppression campaign. Would you like to say something about that? I would. They were. I have seen firsthand state resources utilized in this condemnation campaign, including faculty harassing me via their ASU official emails, including faculty using their ASU emails to administer this campaign, including the faculty members that went into their classrooms and spent classroom teaching time on this, including the, the faculty members that used ASU's classroom software, Canvas, to send letters to their students condemning our event. So there was a, a gross abuse of their, their state and official resources, which we understand from the hearing on Tuesday, which would be a very big problem in the eyes of ASU. So I'm hopeful there will be some real investigations. It's an important point. ASU sent uh, representatives to the hearing that we were all in on Tuesday, and I believe it was their legal counsel who said um, no state resources were used. If they were, that would be a problem. And then you copiously detailed how many state resources were used, which tells me they have copious problems. That's what that would have to mean for someone like me. Now, you lost your job over this. A woman administrator uh, at Gamage lost her job over this. I've never talked with Mr. Lewis, whose foundation endowed the Lewis Center, but it was said that you lost your job because he withdrew funding. And I just have to sit here and think with a slacked jaw that if I'm donating money to a university and the university does everything to trash my name in the community as the host and sponsor of a white supremacist event, you even told us uh, in testimony and since that uh, it was compared to the KKK, Dennis Prager specifically compared to the KKK. If I'm giving money to a university, even if I'm not giving money to a university and the university can just run riot by dragging my name through the mud in the community as a supporter and a sponsor of a white nationalist KKK event, I'm kind of thinking maybe I shouldn't have to pay them to defame me. Yes, that that's correct. Tom Lewis has done so much for this community. He's been an absolute pillar. He's been a generous supporter of so many causes. And he's been a supporter at ASU for 20 years. He's given millions of dollars here. So he's trying to do something good. Back to your opening remarks about the reason we are all here today. He was trying to do something good at ASU, and the faculty attacked him publicly. They said Barrett sold its soul to the highest bidder. What an outrageous embarrassment. Money before ethics, donors before students. They were terrible to him. The faculty, the hostile faculty, drove him away. And But that's not the end of the story. After he canceled funding earlier this spring, he gave a notice it would be canceled effective as of June 30th, I then solved the problem. I found new diversified donors to come in that believed in the intent of the Lewis Center, that believed in teaching the traditional American values of personal responsibility and hard work was worthy of a place in higher education, but the dean turned it down. She expressed no interest. This must be the first time in the history of nonprofits or universities that someone comes with an offer of support and you get a blind eye and a deaf ear and a cold heart saying, no, thanks, we're not interested. This was a short segment. We have a longer one coming up. Mr. Kiyosaki, when we come back, I'd like to ask you, someone so involved in education and someone who has appreciated such great teachers as Buckminster Fuller and others, a little bit about what it means for not only education today, but the future of a country where a single rigid line of thought is enforced 
really not so much as education, but indoctrination with the gloss and the dross of calling itself education. So when we come back, Mr. Kiyosaki and Ann Atkinson and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Robert Kiyosaki and Ann Atkinson are my in-studio guests. We're talking about uh, what Ann has called, and rightfully so, the free, the free speech, the free speech crisis at ASU. Mr. Kiyosaki, you've been involved in education practically your whole life, but certainly since ever you were a young adult, seeking out great mentors, mentoring others, writing, and teaching. What does it say about education, in this case higher education, where there is a singular direction of thought that is mandated so much so that if anyone were to brook dissent, they are called the worst names from historical analogs and so much so that without a pang of conscience, you can have administrators, as Anne had, telling them that they have to say certain things. It's no longer about academic freedom and the ability to pursue thought wherever it takes you. They're now mandating things be said. As Anne was told, she had to read a statement, almost like it was a forced confession. What does it say about education? What does it say about the future of the country when places that claim and brag about being free and open are in fact as closed as North Korea? Well, we better start retaking back education. Good. Because what's more important than education? Nothing. Right. And it's, it's too important to be left up to a bunch of Marxist, communist educators. My poor dad was a good man, PhD, but he was Marxist. He didn't know it. He just never read the book. And then my rich dad was a capitalist. He never went to school. But let's talk about a difference. Because my subject is money. Yeah. Let's look at student loan debt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What happened to student loans was a man named Barack Obama from mm-hmm. Hawaii. Hmm. A rich black kid went to the richest school in Hawaii, Punahou, a school yeah. I couldn't get into right, right, because I'm not rich, uh-huh. you know. And he was the one who pushed the student loan program. And today, when you look at the macroeconomics of America, student loan debt is the number one asset of America beyond taxes. And when you think about that, this is we're not only miseducation our students. We're also ripping them off. We're, I would never touch it. I'm, I, you know, I teach debt. I, I, I use debt as money. Yeah. I would never touch a student loan. It's the most onerous debt possible. So this guy, Barack Obama, pushes it. And that's why I would give a shout out to one of your advertisers, Why, why Refi. Yeah. You know, like I'm a capitalist. When I, when I talk to Why Refi, I said, what a capitalist does is see, they see a problem and they solve it. Yeah. And so I love what Refi is doing. They're helping students out of that student loan debt. Right. So that's what I do. I'm also looking for a capitalist solution, whereas the Marxists are looking at how to pick your pockets even more. Mm-hmm. It makes me sick. I mean, this guy, Obama, oh, my God. And who's his vice president? Oh, Joe, crime fam, family Biden, yeah. whose who's son's Hunter, you can't find his laptop. And by the way, that cocaine baggie they found in the White House, yeah. why did they test it for fingerprints? Yeah. Oh, my God. It just happened to disappear. What's happened to our FBI? Yeah. You see, what happens is- Plastic with baggies edu- are pretty good at maintaining fingerprints and DNA, by the way. Yeah. yeah. But they never tested the no. baggie. Right. So anyway, you know, I'm, I'm not a druggie, but I know I'm smart enough to know that one. Uh. 
But what happens to our school system, it affects everything. Yeah. If the FBI has gone woke, we're in serious trouble. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, there was an old uh, – uh, he's still around. He's a scholar named Michael Barone who wrote a book called Hard America, Soft America. And he his, his idea was that hard America is uh, – are places like the military, the training, the rigor – um, that you are measured by achievement and 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 skills, and it's really a life and death proposition. And soft America would be mostly the education system and kind of giving awards for showing up, kind of thing. And the thought behind that book was ultimately hard America would retake soft America, but it turns out it went the other way. When you think about the ideology, ideological uh, infiltration of places like the Pentagon and the military and our military academies. It's almost as if they now sound like Harvard sociology departments. Soft America turned out not to be so soft because they had a rigid ideology called Marxism. And that is as strong as you can get. When what do we have here in America, but rather, at least from our education system, it seems to me, um, uh, nothing but self-doubt and a lack of confidence about our own decency, never mind our own good and greatness. In other words, we have kind of smashed the genie, and we're trying to f- and and we're trying to fight a hard, rigid ideology that believes in itself with one that no longer believes in itself, one that is more interested in running this country down than building it up. And you can't find you can't fight a strong ideology with a nullity. I think that's what the problem has become here because of our education system. They Absolutely. figured out a hard doctrine and they ran with it. But that's why I always say, what the school teach you about money? Right. question is nothing. Yeah. Is that a mistake? Yeah. No. Right. Absolutely not. Deliberate. Because a poor, a poor uh, can't, can't defend themselves yeah. and get taken over by these bureaucrats yeah. called professors and all that. Yeah. And they command, the professors and the bureaucrats command the largest portion of the U.S. budget. Yeah. We cannot fight them as capitalists. Yeah. They have too much money behind of them. It's horrifying what they can do. So trying to restore a sense of common sense and a sense of perspective and a sense of rationality, you have generous people like Mr. Kiyosaki or Mr. Lewis trying to inject um, a little of that into the university, and the university goes haywire because they can't tolerate this lack of dissent. And um, what's your notion of the future of education in these kinds of environments where ASU not only does this— but continues to maintain that nothing wrong was done. People were slandered, people were fired, students were intimidated, and they say nothing wrong happened here. What is the future of education? What's the hope when that is what's abiding at places that brag about their great ratings on free speech? Well, the future of education will be shaped by the actions of those running it and those within it. So as the largest public university in the country, the largest university altogether in the country, The nation is watching Arizona State right now. It has one of the most pro-free speech presidents in the country, and people are expecting for the policies to be in practice. And yet, all the facts that have been presented are not new. I presented these internally back in over the last several months, and then finally with the president, provost, and board of regents in early June. So the nation is watching to see what will the nation's largest university with a pro-free speech president and free speech policies that are that are worth bragging about what will that university do that response will shape the nation that response will it will affect how students behave in their classes whether they feel that they are 
able to share views that don't conform to the prevailing orthodoxy. The ASU's response will shape how professors and staff in the university decide to share their views. Currently, most folks tend to self-censor if mm-hmm. they don't agree with a majority. And they're going to self-censor even more if they know that if they speak up, they're going to be denounced, as I say, with the worst form of historical analogs like white supremacist, KKK, white nationalist. Anne Atkinson and Robert Kiyosaki are my guests. We'll come back with them for a final thought. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. It has been a privilege and an honor to have Mr. Robert Kiyosaki in studio with me and, of course, Anne Atkinson, formerly of the T.W. Lewis Center at ASU. And uh, tell me what the state of play is now. Uh, it's a news-breaking day in the sense that you tweeted out uh, a long letter you wrote to the Board of Regents because the Board of Regents tried to shape a narrative in a letter they had sent. You sent a response. People can get it at your Twitter account or mine as I retweeted it. Your Twitter account is underscore uh, – what is your Twitter account? Ann underscore? Ann Atkinson AZ. Ann Atkinson AZ. Uh, and tell me what the state of play is right now. Yes, and underscore Atkinson underscore AZ. Okay. Sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of new to Twitter. The state of play currently, the Tuesday of this week, there was an ad hoc joint legislative session between the House and the Senate in Arizona to investigate freedom of expression at ASU. The facts were presented. The facts I have been presenting internally to ASU over several months were presented, and the The chairman of the committee gave ASU a deadline of 60 days to respond to the findings of that hearing, and the Senate Judiciary Committee, under the leadership of Senator Kern, is going to take this issue up. Good. Good. Uh, Mr. Kiyosaki, you're not quite done with this either. You're going to keep battling with us, I presume. Well, I'm going to be back on something good. I was so impressed with Senator Kern and Nguyen and all that. We have a great legislative body. Of course, there were the wackos in the the group also. we, We all attended. But Senator Curran and those guys are tough guys. They're, yeah. they're reasonable, they're sharp, and they're fighting to get to the bottom of the, all this. And as Senator Curran said, people will be fired. You know, um, it was an interesting phenomenon that I observed. I, I've been reading about this, and I've had certain experiences with this in other places. I just never thought I'd see it with state legislators when we were presenting to the, these state legislators. Uh, those that... Uh, those that uh, a priori disagreed with us and were knee-jerk uh, supporters of ASU's position, they acted as if they just didn't hear a single thing they, we said. Did you notice that? They just blew by every single thing we Amen. said. They Amen. Just, they, it's as if we weren't there or it's as if they had no interest in hearing from us. And it's a little bit about probably wishing the former and engaging in the latter. There's a phrase we use around here. It's called invincible ignorance. There is nothing you can say that will move these people, not one. That's not an open mind. And it's not an open mind about a campus that should be open either. Ann Atkinson and Robert Kiyosaki, thank you, my good friends. And thank you, friends to this community. It's been an honor having you here. And I'm going to wish you a pleasant, beautiful weekend. It's a noble cause, a worthy fight. Let's fight for our freedom of education. Amen. Amen.